Hey, it's Graham on the Express Mates podcast. This week we catch up about work, uh, but heads up, we go pretty deep pretty quickly. Uh, we thought we were just catching up about work, didn't we, Tom? But then things took a turn. Hang on. I just put a sweet in my mouth. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had a bit more time. <laughs> yeah, we, we cover a whole load of stuff around mental health uh, and what that looks like. So prepare yourself. Buckle up. If there are things that we talk about that affect you or someone you know, then we will put links in the show description for you to follow. If you are experiencing some stuff that you want to kind of talk to somebody else about, please go to nhs.org and on there type in mental health and there's a whole A to Z of different places you can go to to find support and help. Enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as much as you can. (laughs) And don't worry, episode four is really fun. Hello, mate. Hi, mate. First questions first. How was your poo? Yeah, it was. All, it was all right, you know. Mm. I've reinstated the use of um, like the wet wipe thing. So, sorry, reinstated. Like, it, yeah. like it had gone out. What do you mean you've reinstated the use of the wet wipe? So it it just provides the finish I need. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, um, I can see that you're in your place of work right now, unless you've had a yeah, massive renovation to the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which would mean that, um, like, when you're in public places, you don't really have wet wipes just in a dispenser, which means you're carrying around wet wipes with you for your poos. Well, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm on the go quite a bit with my work, and, you know, I've got a, a set of things that I take with me. There's a really cool community, actually. I mean, the phrase really cool <laughs> is, is debatable. A poo community. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, so there's a thing called everyday carry. I absolutely love it. I'm addicted to it. Well, and it's basically a load of people talking about what they carry around with them and like what they use to make their life easier. Tell me about your top three things that you carry around with you now to make your life easier. Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Just to point out, like... I do think I'm the only person who would carry a wet wipe with me as part of my everyday carry. 100%. 100% you're the only person I've ever met who carries around a pack of wet wipes. By the way, as as a parent, you know, wet wipes is kind of an essential thing when you've got young kids. That's fine. That's kind of a separate aside. That's a separate use. This is specifically for the use of, um, you know, I don't want to get graphic about it, but, well, polishing your bum, I suppose. Polishing a turd. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we've found the new name for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell you. So, for example, I've got inside my, my camera bag, mm. I've got another little bag full of things with like a just-in-case. So I've got like, you know, some batteries. I've got some cable ties. Um, I've got a little torch. Uh, some tablets, all that kind of stuff, just because people always go, oh man, I, I, can't, I can't get this thing put up properly. Don't worry, I've got a cable tie. And a wet wipe. If only, <laughs> if only I had some batteries. Hey, I'm your guy. I've got a little bag with it all in. Everyday carry. When was, by the way, welcome everyone to the podcast. Hello. Oh yeah, hi. <laughs> Hello. We, this is the, the ex-best mates podcast where two ex-best mates talk about what's in their bag. <laughs> Don't, no, 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 no. Don't tune out just yet. No, no, there's more, there's more to come. Yeah, but do you know what, mate? It's such a good feeling. It's very clever. To be able to, to be that guy, to go, yeah, I've got it. 
I, about a week ago, went on a first aid course and I had that similar feeling of like, wow, if someone was in some serious physical health trouble and I was the person to save their life, uh, wow, that would be an amazing thing to be able to say, you know, that person actually saved my life. For you, I guess it's a lot the same. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that guy gave me a battery. So for me, I'm, I'm a critical worker. (laughs) <laughs> I know, I know, so am I. When I saw that our that particular heading on the list of essential workers, so we we essentially both come under religious staff. Yeah, although I, I don't know if I don't know if I actually do. No, but it, I, I, you can. I think you can shoehorn yours, you know, into that. I mean, I, I'm just a creative guy, so like, like I don't think I'm important <laughs> for like the success of mankind. <laughs> Tom's there like, yeah. how would you like your flyer design? <laughs> we need to really rebrand this hospital bed. Uh, would you like a website? <laughs> yeah. But what's brilliant is, what's brilliant is, the, the phrase critical worker, um, our wives are both incredible, <laughs> yes. like act, yeah. actual critical workers. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and we come under the same category. No, it's so satisfying. <laughs> so like my, my missus is like, I mean, she's just phenomenal. She, she looks after safeguarding of over 15,000 children. But now, over yeah. the dinner table, we get to have a conversation of, you've had a hard day, you're a critical worker. I struggled to find the right typeface today. <laughs> I'm a critical worker. Yeah. So, <laughs> finally, we can bump. Going, Tom, end the podcast now. I'm going out on my doorstep now to uh, clap, Thanks, clap, mate. Tom, clap for designers. <laughs> <sighs> well, um, yeah. My job now is being a pastor. We, we can talk about this if you want, because since we last properly hung out or spoke, my job has changed. Um, your job has, has changed a bit as well. My job has gone from being in that world of creative production. I was a radio producer for 10 years, and in the last uh, six months or so, I've career changed to being a church pastor. So um, I know you've mentioned about being a pastor. Like, I'll be honest with you, because, again, because of the, you know the space in our friendship, I don't really know what you actually properly do. Mm. So, like, it doesn't really... I don't get it, basically. Okay. So I know you're a pastor, but, but that means a whole load of things to me, and I don't know what that means in terms of your job description. I, I think I'm still slightly in culture shock because for 10 years I was working for the BBC, producing radio programmes, and um, ended up at Radio 2 and was producing... Uh, the breakfast show there for a while and um, and then like probably for about two or three years towards the end started to feel this kind of uh, pull or draw towards doing something else with my life and um, there was nothing on the table no, no sort of plans just this kind of pull towards like maybe there is something else to do with my time and energies and um, a whole bunch of stuff happened where doors were opened and sort of over a longer period of time and the desire didn't really go away and the opportunities continued to present themselves until eventually there came some funding in place that would take me out of my old job and into a new job and so now I'm part of a team of staff pastors at a church here in Bedford and so my job is to look after things that we do in our community outreach. So I look after things like a food bank and we run a debt counselling service and we run support groups 
and a lot of our things that we run that help people explore and ask questions of life and faith possibly for the first time yeah man i was just thinking as you were talking like we lost some quite a bit of contact over over the years i think it's really good for you to know mate that um when you're doing like your your radio stuff and you're producing with the bbc and what you're doing now there was a real sense from me of pride uh, like i was really proud of what you were doing and like every time I got a chance to, I would talk about how I've got a friend who's doing this and he's now doing this. Um, even though we wouldn't be best mates, so to speak, there was a real sense that I'm promoting uh, my pride for a good mate. Ah, very bit emotion, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's cute, that, isn't it? That's no, true, man. I think the, the pride for me carries on because I'm like, I think for some people, they would see your what you've done is a bit nuts. Like, why have you left what some people would class as a, an amazing career? But I think for me, I just see your, well, it's, it sounds really cheesy, but your heart, your love for people. Uh, and I think that's, that's massive, man. I'm going to stop saying nice stuff now. Yeah. I'm starting to feel a bit like... Someone t- tell a poo joke, quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, mate, update me, because um, I think in the last couple of years, you have been through a lot of work changes a lot of business stress i i'm yeah. guessing talk, yeah, yeah. Me, talk me through the last couple of years mate <clears throat> um it's just been a interesting adventure i think that's probably the way to to sum it up really um i'm also really aware that i want to try and make this funny but i can't <laughs> so <laughs> basically mate just to kind of catch you up um i i used to run my own design agency creative agency and I guess on the face of it, it was amazing. Like we were, we looked the part, we, we did some amazing work. Um, I ran a business that had, you know, eight staff. Uh, we traveled the world. We did some really cool stuff. Um, and again, I think like we said about, about your job, some people would see it as, you know, you are kind of living the dream, so to speak, in terms of the, the world. And, but in some ways, I'm quite glad we weren't really close then. Go on, which I think is okay. Which I think. Well, mate, I think I started to believe my own hype and I started to begin to become, well, the sense that I was invincible Mm. um, because, you know, I was recognised in certain areas. Um, But what I didn't realise is at the time that um, that sense of being invincible was actually the start of me breaking. Um, And I think during that breaking period, I ended up hurting a lot of people. There's this phrase kind of thrown around that, you know, hurting people hurt people. Mm. Um, and, and I think I kind of fell into that trap a little bit. Wow. Well, a lot, actually. Uh, you know, family, close friends, all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't have known. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have known. <laughs> you weren't on that list. <laughs> right, who shall I hurt today? Did family yesterday, close friends. No, Graham, not on the list. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to being dragged into this circle of hurt from here on in. <laughs> I'm only doing this podcast to hurt you in the long run. This is <laughs> this you. is like a, I'm playing the long game. <laughs> so yeah, like it was um, pretty much the December of I think it was 2016. I had what I, what I can only explain as a massive nervous breakdown. I was in my office, um, surrounded by my team, and I had the sense I just had to walk out of the building. So I walked out, 
and I sat in my car and I physically felt like I heard my head pop, um, like it just kind of exploded. Um, and then I was just sat in my car for hours um, and I couldn't, couldn't move, couldn't breathe and ended up having to, uh, well Nick called me because she, she thought I'd be home by now and I was literally just sat in my car. How like, long were you there for? Uh, probably about four hours, maybe. Four hours? Yeah, man. It was, um, it, was a, it was a weird moment. It was a very, very bizarre time. And it then kind of spiralled into this sense of, I decided that I didn't want to be here, actually, that the, the logical option. Uh, I know people sometimes talk about how things like um, suicide and stuff is a selfish act. I get that. I do understand that thought. But for me, in that moment in time, it was the most logical thing to do. It was, the, it was kind of like as much as, as breathing is, makes sense, um, not breathing made sense to me as well. And um, so it, it literally quite quickly, Nick was working away in Birmingham and I was in the house on my own, um, made some stupid choices and um, ended up kind of in some ways in a moment of common sense, I guess. I called an ambulance and was like, this is where I'm at. Uh, it's not cool. I'm not good. Um, and then it all kind of then spiralled. I then went into hospital, um, spent some time kind of chatting to some good people, getting some ridiculously amazing help. And literally the weeks after that, I decided to close the business. Again, it was a in my breaking, I was hurting more people because that meant people lost their jobs and, and different things like that. But I selfishly but rightly had to look after myself and my family um, and work through, that, work through that process, really. So I'm sad for, you know, the people that I've upset and hurt along the way. And I guess right now I'm, I'm, I'm living with the consequences of my past, but sitting in the the hope that I have for the future. Because right, right now I'm, I'm in a great place. I'm, I'm loving my job and I get to do great stuff. I'm more around my family. I feel like a dad for the first time. Um, and I think for me, I was thinking about this the other day actually, that when you people talk about, you know, the future's gonna be good, the future's bright. Um, I think in my, in my darkest day, when people were saying that, I'm now living in that bright future moment so where I'm sat right now is the the bright future bit for me mm. um wow I am so sorry that I didn't know that any of that stuff and I'm so glad you're telling me now and I am so glad you're here can you zoom in a bit on the night you called the ambulance and what happened and what was going through your head at that point as someone who's never experienced that myself? Yeah, yeah. That's a good question, mate. I think on the actual day, um, I, I'd woke up with a sense of, um, this is gonna be my last day. This is gonna be my day when I end it. Um, I met up with a friend at the time uh, for coffee and I remember talking to them um, and they were, they were kind of worried 
about me as such because I wasn't making much sense. And I remember bumping into my mum and dad at that coffee oh. shop. And that, that was a really weird moment because I've always cared about my nearest and dearest and I've always wanted them to be okay. So non taken kind of, uh, <laughs> like I said, my nearest and dearest. <laughs> and um, I remember um, just thinking, I, I need to put on this front that it's all okay. And, um, and that was kind of a, a big point for me because I had spent quite a lot of my years in business putting on this front of like, wow, this is who I am and I'm successful. Love me, love me. Um, and I remember my friend standing up and hugging my mum, uh, which never happened. They didn't really know each other and hugged my mum and they just said to her, just keep your eye out on him, make sure he's okay, uh, look out for him. Anyway, I went home and there was a sense of, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but there was this feeling of it needs to happen. Mm. So um, I literally sat on my living room floor and thought, I'm going to make a plan. Uh, and, this, and started making a plan. And it was literally at that point where I started making a plan where it was like my body took over. It was like my body jumped to my defence, um, which is really bizarre. So... Um, it never jumps to anything in the past, does it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> we, that's the true miracle of this story. <laughs> Tom had movement. Your body came through. <laughs> your, your, that body miraculously saved your life. Oh, yeah, 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 it did. Um, no, yeah, so like, it literally took over and... Yeah, it's, it, it kind of did this thing where, like, I, I, I knew that if I didn't call the ambulance, then my plan would have been put in place. Um, but, like, when I say my body took over, like, I couldn't breathe, I, I couldn't move, like, I was literally, like, a, a complete mess. I guess it was like a massive panic attack in some ways, which I think actually saved, saved my life. Uh, and I remember calling the ambulance and... This person basically said, look, we've got this big problem at the moment where our ambulances are everywhere. We literally haven't got a, you know, we all know the NHS is stretched to the max. Um, she said, but I, I'm not going to hang up the phone. Uh, I'm going to talk to you and we're going to carry on talking. And she just kind of ended up just talking me through some stuff. Um, and then she ended up ringing my mum and dad who came and found me in my house, just in a, mate, I was in a flipping mess. And then they, they took me to, to hospital and um, A&E was full, um, but I was making a load of noise. I was, so they quite quickly moved me into this side room and waited for like these head doctors to come in. And, and this, this, is the, this is the breaking point for me. This is the point where, where things started to really turn around. Um, my mum got through to Nick, my wife, and she's like, I'm coming now, I'm coming on my way now. Uh, and she was in Birmingham, which is, you know, two and a half hours away from where we live. And in that moment, there was that thought of, I want Nick to be okay. I want Nick to travel safe. Um, which is obviously a, a normal statement for anyone to make, really. 
But in that second, it was as if my priorities started to be rebuilt. So I, I started to understand actually the things that are really important to me is Nick. Um, so even though there's a load of stuff going on around me, I already felt a sense of hope within me because I cared for another person um, and their, their life was important to me. Uh, and in that, I realised that my life was important too. So, yeah. I am so glad you're still here. Oh, thanks, and mate. I love you. And the only thing I can think whilst you were saying some of that stuff was like, if I had received that phone call or that text message at that time to say, have you heard about Tom? If the plan on your living room floor had happened and you hadn't called the ambulance and that lady hadn't done what she'd done, if it had been the other way and if I had received that message to say, have you heard about Tom? I can't begin to imagine how I would have felt and I don't want to. And I would have found it hard to forgive myself for having not been in touch with someone who means a lot to me. And so I'm going to end the podcast here because there's a couple of phone calls that I need to make because of that. I think it's important to know, mate, that I think this is the beauty of friendship. If you have these people around you that accept you, those phone calls that you make are important. Those, that time spent with people is important. Conversations need to be had, but come from a place of, like, I love you. Which is why, actually, this podcast is brilliant, mate. Because, to me, it's, you know, ex-best mates, yes. But it's the starting of, again, having somebody else mm. in my life. So we just need to remember that life is fragile and friendships are important. And it's everyday carry. <laughs>